You're listening to Bridge the Gap Season 3, a podcast dedicated to inform, educate, and influence the future of housing and services for seniors. This podcast is powered by supporting partners One Day, Propel Insurance, Inquire, LTC REIT, The Bridge Group Construction, and Salinity. Learn more at btgvoice.com. Welcome to Bridge the Gap Podcast, a senior living podcast with Josh and Lucas. Got an exciting topic today and an exciting guest, one of our good friends here in Nashville. We got Don Husey on from Ziegler Investing. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Great to be here. Yes. So glad to have you back on. Don, there is a lot of things going on with M&A, a lot of things going on in debt, a lot of things going on in lending. We're going to try to tackle some of those, maybe not all of them today. Um, I think for me, like as I think about those different options that we can go into, the M&A market is something that personally uh, I'm interested in. Can you tell us some updates on the market that we are in currently? Sure. So as you can imagine, the M&A market is down a little bit from 2019, actually more than a little bit, Um, although not as much as uh, you'd think. So 2019 was a record year. We had about 450 transactions for a total of about $16 billion of transactions in the space. And that's independent living, assisted living, memory care, skilled nursing, uh, CCRC, everything except um, affordable housing. They'll have their separate st- mm-hmm. statistics there. So looking at this year, our volume is going to be way down in terms of total dollar volume. Should be somewhere between 11, call it to $14 billion of what we call announced transactions that we can find the data on and uh, confirm. And that'll be about 300 transactions total. So that's about what we've averaged between what I call the post-Great Recession uh, period through to 2019. So it's definitely down. Deals are getting done. People are um, seen through the pandemic. Everything is taking a lot longer. Mm-hmm. So in our shop, for instance, we had uh, three deals that uh, basically uh, were shut down completely. We have eight deals that have moved into 2021 or were extended for various reasons, right? Think about getting people to view sites, doing third-party reports. The banks have been a little more cautious and more difficult to um, lend into the space. All of those have combined to delay transactions and and take a longer period of time. Um, Now, on those, is there a difference between the for-profit side and the not-for-profit side, or are you seeing similar market trends? So that's actually a really interesting point. Uh, Ziegler is one of the few companies out there that does uh, work in both the for-profit and the not-for-profit side. So on the not-for-profit side, we call our mergers and acquisitions sponsorship transitions. Okay. Uh, In that uh, space, there's been a trend post-Great Recession of uh, significant consolidation in the not-for-profit sector. So we've had over 600 out of, call it 7,000 total properties um, combined in sponsorship transitions over that time period. That's about 750 properties, or about 10% of the total um, base has consolidated in that space. Now, it's very hard to get dollar volumes there because really they're um, taking on another organization's debt, combining boards, realigning management teams and management control. So there's typically not a financing transaction there, but we currently have about 12 uh, 
active engagements on the not-for-profit side and uh, actually that same number, 12 active engagements on the for-profit side right now as well. Interesting. So different, but sounds like that there's you know, quite a bit of alignment there. Well, another curiosity, and so we may chase a lot of rabbits here because I just, there's only so many opportunities, <laughs> Lucas, we have Don in front of us to pick his brain on a microphone. But one thing to me, and, and you know, just let me know, this may be more of a gut response because I don't know how much of this is actually tracked, but leading up to um, this year, it seemed like there was just a ton of of new operators entering the market, many of them inexperienced, um, dollars coming in, new real estate developers, uh, maybe coming from other verticals, other industries, so forth. This year, it seems like most of the M&A that I've been hearing and most of the uh, anything that is new developed that is still moving forward, I'm not hearing as many new names, and it seems like it's more of the the people that have been established, the operators that are in the industry. Do you have any read? Is has the pandemic impacted uh, new people coming into the industry at all? From your opinion, so that's that's an interesting question. And again, we have to. I, I always like to separate the two silos that we work in. We work in skilled nursing which is a, a separate risk profile of investors, of banks, mostly government pay, uh, a totally different risk profile versus our senior housing and care, which is mostly private pay, uh, private sector money coming into, into the space. So I would say, you know, there's certainly no lack of private equity continuing to look at this space continuing in fact new players coming into the space looking at it um, uh, when you when you look at real estate overall and you look at uh, there, there's basically four main food groups we we call it in real estate right you have office uh, space you have retail you have industrial and then you have multifamily well really we're kind of a side arm of the multifamily space um, Office is still going to be out there for a while. I'm not sure how that's going to look. Some recent statistics ha- that I've heard uh, are that about 30% of people are going to work permanently from home. Another 50% will do some combination. And then about 30%, 25 to 30% will uh, be in the office at all times. So that is a, a you know, until we work that ad, out post-pandemic, that has an impact on the real estate sector. Multifamily markets continue to do well, although the single-family market is really uh, uh, having an impact on that as well. You have a number of companies that are buying homes and renting those on very large scales. So we'll see how that impacts the world. Retail, it's pretty clear. Um, uh, you know, Amazon is uh, going into industrial, which is that's the one area that's doing well. If you look at the demographics for senior housing, and we only we only you know hit ten percent of the market, right? Ninety percent of the senior living market stays in their own home. It's a great demographic um, ride as we get through the next call it two two years, which is what it's going to take to go through our post pandemic uh, site. So definitely new equity players coming in. Banks are backing away. New operators are. I would say the relatively new operators, particularly some um, developer-focused uh, types, uh, 
have some issues simply because they got over their skis a little too far. You know, if you have five to seven properties in Phillip at this point in time, you're typically looking at a million dollars of operating losses. You extend the Phillip period another 12 to 18 months, that's another 700,000 to a million five of operating losses that you didn't plan on. So your piggy bank has to be pretty full to uh, cover the, that cash loss. So 2020 has been an interesting year, to say the least. Um, and I've always been hearing um, from guys like you the importance of um, a great operator. I've also been hearing, I mean, we were just talking with an insurance broker, and they were kind of forecasting that they think there's such a, a growing shortage of good operators. What is 2020 kind of done to the importance of of the operator in the industry um and and what are are you guys sizing that situation up any your underwriting division as you're looking at deals at at who all the players are or is it pay to play and 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 you can you can get in the business if you get the pockets or is the operator still like a huge critical piece well i think the operator uh equation has become even more important frankly, in 2020. And I'm very impressed at the ability of our industry to take on the COVID challenge and learn quickly how to control the virus, how to take control of the virus. It's cost a lot of money, a lot of uh, hardship for families, for staff members. Um, You know, we just appreciate all the frontline caregivers out there. Uh, I, I operated communities for about 15 years and I know how hard it is out there when uh, you know you have to deliver the care and there's there's you don't have the supplies to do it you don't have you don't even know how it's it how the virus is is being transmitted so I think our industry has done very well actually that I think the importance and in fact I would say the value of the operations is becoming more important and I think our operators this is really a, a pet issue of mine. I don't believe operators can make money, can make the kind of money that is uh, necessary to drive a value in their operating business at a 5% management fee. I think you have to do things uh, differently. You have to look at, look at your capital stack. You have to, um, if, if in fact the real value is from the operator, which we know it is, right? Uh, you go in and, and turn a building around, like I've, I've turned many, many buildings around. Um, it's not easy. It's hard. And uh, that's, that's the special sauce, uh, and you should get paid for it. And a lot of our uh, operators just just aren't doing that. Well, so great point. I could talk for five days on that topic. So um, how do you feel about that one? But so talk to the operator for just a minute. We got a very diverse audience, but talk to the operator that's sitting out there because I think there's a lot of them that are out there trying to be competitive, right? Because they're trying to provide the best quality um, that I think all operators are trying to do and the best services and build the best culture and the best teams. And then are also thinking, how do I compete for deals that I can get to operate? I've got to keep my price kind of competitive. And they're thinking, okay, well, I think 5%, maybe 6%, I could stretch to that. How do they need to present themselves to show that it's a value proposition for them to be able to earn more 
to be able to provide and justify what they're putting into this. I mean, how if you're talking to the operator, how do you sell that? And maybe, uh, and, and what are you seeing as the norm for operator fees? So um, talking to the operator, it's a little bit about a two-edged sword, right? Because, you know, when you sell your properties, we look at a cap rate at the business, but that includes the operating business and the uh, real estate. Now, because of the influx of REITs really for the past 30 years, that's kind of mixed up the value uh, equation between the, between the operating entities and the real estate en- entities. So with private equity coming back into this space and, frankly, some uh, more sophisticated in- investors coming in, I believe there's going to be more attention spent to the real estate, the value of that real estate, and then the value of the operating entities. So talking to the um, operators, I think of it this way. When I was operating businesses, the one thing we just did not want to do is offer concessions, right? But there would be companies out there in our marketplace offering concessions, right, to get people to move in, which reduced, it, it may have increased the occupancy, likely not though, frankly, um, but it drug the whole market down, right? Well, the same thing is true with the value of your services. If you believe in the value of services, we, we would switch that uh, concessions around and say, well, this is the price for our lowest priced unit, but if you come over here, you're closer to the elevator, you have a um, you know, beautiful view, um, you know, this, this unit is priced at you know, Y dollars per month. I think more people are doing that. The same thing happens with your company. If, if you want to hire the right people and you want to drive that value, we're talking millions and millions of dollars of value here, right? Y'all have to do a, a yeah, you have to sell that. Your operations, the amount of, um, particularly the marketing expertise, the, the how sophisticated the digital uh, marketing social interaction has become, that's a really technical piece of the equation. Also, technology um, is driving a lot of quality of care and efficiency in the marketplace. That's worth something. And I think the, the industry has to... Uh, uh, work through that, um, and again, in both differently in both silos, our skilled nursing silo versus our uh, senior housing silo. But I believe there's there's additional operational value there, and at some point in time, that'll be um, proven out. Well, so that's going on my repeat on my shuffle, and we're just gonna <laughs> we're, we're gonna like every meeting I go into, I'm just gonna hit repeat. This is from Don Husey. Did you guys hear that? <laughs> this is not me saying that. So that I think that's great, and I think um, I loved Lucas and I have talked about this that you um, had a lot of positive say about the industry because you get to see it from a very global perspective. You get to talk to the skilled nursing operators, the for profits, the not for profits, and all in between. And, you know, unfortunately, um, there's been a couple of stories out there about our industry that have made national press. And that's not a new thing, right? The pandemic year was just uh, adding to that. But it seems like so often one or two negative stories have dominated our industry. And, you know, I look at other industry verticals and I think, gosh, what if, you know, the automobile industry... Uh, nobody wanted to buy cars because of a recall. 
You know, it's like, so I kind of equate that to our industry. You know, you might have something unfortunate that happens, and then the next thing you know, the whole industry gets a black eye. So, Don, what are some of the things going into um, 2021 as we're we're in it now and, and thinking and looking that we can say that we've learned from 2020 and some some of the themes of stories that operators and owners need to be telling people about our industry that you see from your unique position. So you're just hitting all my hot buttons today. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's that's definitely one of one of the pieces. You know, the the New York Times stories, the Washington Post stories, they, they can only deliver negative press because. That's what supposedly readers want. Now, I'm not sure what readers want these days because I'm not sure what's news and what's fact and what's real, right? I think, you know, there's a lot of industry um, efforts going on to really build back our brand. Um, So, you know, just a few that I know of. uh, There's a company, Direct Supply, that uh, has a, um, what is it, Uh, Facebook page called um, Tell Us Your Stories, Talking about all the good stories that are happening out in the in the business, um, there's just a lot of incorrect information that's being delivered through these media types that we have to fight back. And I actually just saw an article in the Wall Street Journal last week that I responded to the the um, person. It's great now, right? You have social media; you can respond directly to that person. Hey, the, you might look at these facts. This is incorrect. This is incorrect. Go to this study here. Um, there's there's ways to really combat that, um, and you know uh, there's other folks. There's a lot of um, uh, groups. There's a, a group of people of senior housing that is looking to uh, drive the positive story of the business on on Facebook, Instagram. So I, I think vendors around the space. I think from the if the operators are trying to tell it themselves it doesn't have as much of an impact because you're just trying to you know tell the uh, you know the 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 negative story in a positive way whereas if it comes if it's coming from the family members from the caregivers directly it's a different story it's it's now a personal interest story and that's where I think we have to really uh, spend some more time. Well, I, I love that. So there are several takeaways that I, I took from there. But one of the things, the, I think the last thing that you, you said, I, I would I would kind of um, say it like this. I think too often we get concerned in our industry at surface level about marketing and telling the story about um, maybe about the real estate, right? About the amenities, the finishes, the dining experience and all that, which all of that's really, really important. But you're not really hearing about any of that positive or negative in in the national press. What you're hearing is human stories, right? And they pick out a couple of those. So we know for a fact we, there's so many positive human stories from the team member side, from the family side, from the resident side. So I think one of the things that we can take away from what you just said is there has to be a certain accountability um, from everybody that touches the industry to 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 tell about the good that is happening uh, from a variety of different angles. And um, so that that's part of why we're here. That's part of why we're here. So it's great to hear that from your position uh, where you get to look into the industry uh, as you work in it every day. Yeah, well, you know, Don, I'm glad that we were able to hit some of those hot buttons. Any final thoughts as we try to wrap it up? Just getting back to that that point, public relations is, is key. And we spend a lot of time on digital 
marketing and uh, social media, but we don't spend as much time telling the stories that we need to. And and frankly, if you tell those stories, you have an, a, a, a PR effort. It it doesn't cost a lot of money. Um, it's good for the family. It's good for the caregivers. It's good for the entire community. Um, you know whether whether it's a, a social media post or or a article in the news uh, paper or uh, you know a blip on the local TV news. It's it's great for the business. It's great for the industry, especially in these times when people are. I mean, folks are burned out in the communities. The the, the caregivers, the the entire staff, from the executive director down to the, you know, the dishwashers and the housekeepers. Just everyone's burned out. It's tough out there. We 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 know that. We realize that, and we appreciate that. Um, we got to tell that story better, and. Uh, at a, a faster pace than what what's being told right now, and you guys are helping that with this, uh, with the podcast and and all that you're doing in your in in the space. So thank you. Yeah, we appreciate that, Don, and and uh, thanks for reiterating a point that we try to drive home is that everybody in the industry know that you're not forgotten. We're thinking of you. We're going to continue to put out great content to educate, inform, and influence here on the Bridge Gap Network, bringing on great people like Don to talk about it. Um, you know, so many stories. There's so many stories from 2020. Uh, there's there's some real big challenges, and then there's some real amazing things that have taken place, and a lot of that in our industry. Yeah. Well, Don, thanks for joining us today. Thanks to Ziggler. Uh, you've always been a friend to us since we just started this podcast several years ago. Always gracious to give us your time. Uh, and uh, and thanks for your support. Our listeners are going to want to connect with you. Uh, and so, Lucas, yeah. I know we're going to connect our listeners through our page. You got it. BTGvoice.com. You can uh, access all of our social media accounts. Also, in the show notes, we'll connect to Don and to our website. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to another great episode of Bridge the Gap. For listening to this episode of Bridge the Gap, the Senior Living Podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so visit btgvoice.com for all things about the podcast. Powered by supporting partners One Day, Propel Insurance, Inquire, LTC REIT, The Bridge Group Construction, and Salinity.